So what fairy tale would you most like to see made into a movie? I have always wanted to see East of the Sun, West of the Moon made into a movie, but not an awful movie, like the really low budget Polar Bear King movie, like a really awesome, animated, expensive version of that movie. Uh, That would be so good, actually. I love that story. I would love to see Catskin made into a movie. That's an English fairy tale. It's a little Cinderella-ish, but she wears a bunch of cat skins. And I really want to see them make that sympathetic. Oh my gosh, those poor mousers. Although I bet the mice had a much funner time making her clothes. (laughs) Oh no! In Arendelle's fair kingdom, a ruler did appear. Born with a secret power so great, Alone, she stayed in fear. Get it together. Control it. Although the force was hidden, one day she let it go. Elsa! Sorcery. And all the land was covered in eternal ice and snow. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, the Bad Movie Podcast. Where today we talk about Frozen. So I actually saw this movie in theaters, and you haven't seen it before this I, time. I had not seen so it So how'd you like it? New favorite movie? Um, it was terrible, and I never want to watch it again. <laughs> I also don't understand all of the non-children who watched this and liked it. Um, in case you couldn't tell, if you really liked Frozen, you should stop listening. Yes, huge warning. Don't keep listening to this if you honestly like this movie, because this podcast will do nothing but make you angry and kill your joy. Yeah. So everyone who is still listening, we assume, dislikes Frozen as much as we do. Now that the real listeners are still here. Yeah. This, to me, is kind of an icon. I think because of how successful it was, it's become an iconic movie to me on how Disney is currently making movies, and I dislike them. I love animated movies, so I go to see these movies in theaters, on DVD, because I'm just like, oh, please let this be an awesome one, because I love them. Like, you can, I can watch animated musicals all day long. I have to say, I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I like animated movies. Rose really likes them. She will give some really weird ones a try. Yes. And I have seen some really weird ones. Anyone who wants to watch a really good animated movie should watch The Adventures of Prince Ahmed, which was made in the 20s. It's a really interesting movie in how it's animated because it's animated with paper cutouts in silhouette against really elaborate backgrounds. It was done by some Germans in the 20s. A German woman, actually, in the 20s. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So they are silent, but they are beautiful. All right, how does Frozen start? Does it start with a song that will give you major Mulan flashbacks? Did you get Mulan flashbacks? Big time. I got Little Mermaid, Men on the Ship flashbacks. Okay, yeah, I can see that too. I was just thinking Mulan. I can see that. Okay, so it begins with a bit of tribal chanting, and then it segues into this song that kind of sounds like Scandinavian. Born of cold and winter air and mountain rain combining, this icy force both foul and fair has a frozen harbor mining. So cut through the heart, cold and clear, Strike for love and strike for fear. See the beauty sharp and sheer. Split the eyes apart and break the frozen heart. 
hands down, first song, my favorite song of the movie. This is, and when I was sitting in there in the theater and the first song comes on, I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a good one. Oh no. Um, this was immediately crushed. You but fool. I know. But I loved it. It sounded authentic to the time and the place, like inspired by the time and the place. Mm-hmm. It was really dramatic. It was setting the mood. So what it is is these ice picker or these ice cutters mm-hmm. cutting ice on this lake, and they're singing while they're doing it, and it's talking about how difficult ice cutting is. But this main line in the song that's important to the movie is there's beauty and there's danger here beware the frozen heart which is actually quite a good line to start the movie off with it's really good it was very beauty and the beast i thought yeah for for who could ever love learn to love a beast like that was a great line in the song for sure i was irritated by the presence of the little kid and the baby reindeer yes I, I, i get that it's a kid's movie but i was really irritated by that they're singing they're literally singing about how dangerous this is and yet nobody says anything about the small child right next to them. it is also weird because he we find out okay so this is little Kristoff and his reindeer sven sven also a baby also i'm not sure that was a reindeer i think it might have been a golden retriever with antlers well that's 100 percent accurate but he doesn't have a father working here he's just wandering around with his baby reindeer so it's it's very odd and also it's unnecessary for him to be there and in case you were wondering christoph is not the main character in this movie yeah right so I don't know why we start off with a scene from him where we're not even really getting anything about him. It doesn't then segue into young Kristoff being told the story of the princesses that live up at the castle. Nope. Like, there's no there's no segue. His whole role in the movie is weird to me. And this actually is one of my major problems with this movie, and I'll talk about this more at the end, is the fact that this is actually two completely separate movies that are playing alongside each other. Uh, you're so right. Okay, so after this completely awesome song it's all downhill from here we cut to the castle young elsa asleep in her bed this is the older blonde sister and then anna comes in and is jumping around on her bed super happy and wakes her up and then they start playing elsa has this magic power where she can a little bit vague on her magic but basically she can create and manipulate ice and snow so they're playing with this in the ballroom and they're having a lot of fun and she's making a little snowman olaf they are water damaging the heck out of this castle. They I are. don't care if it's completely stoned. That's still not good for it. Yeah, they're going to have a hard time getting the black mold out. Elsa is creating these like magic like snowbanks. Snowbanks like, for Anna is jumping on and they're yeah. getting higher and sh- and Anna is moving faster than Elsa can make the banks. So, Anna is moving too fast. Elsa tries to warn her and, like, shoot out another bit of snow to maybe, like, stop her from falling. This is the impression I got. And basically, through Elsa trying to save Anna from her own reckless behavior and accidentally injuring her, her parents run in and start berating her, and she herself is guilt-ridden in the extreme. Can I just say the first part of what you just said, Elsa trying to save Anna from her own recklessness, is the entire movie. (laughs) I know. And the I don't understand why no one seems to understand that this was this whole accident was Anna's fault, not Elsa's. Yeah. It wasn't Elsa losing control of her magic. Even if she did lose control, this was under extreme circumstances. This wasn't just like she was eating a picnic lunch and like magic explodes all around her. Like she was under enormous pressure trying to save Anna from falling off a snowbank. Yeah, exactly. 
and none of this is her fault yeah none of this is her fault everyone overreacts in the extreme but because some snow magic hits her in the head hits anna in the head anna is now injured to the point where she's actually unconscious so her parents who are the king and queen by the way did you think that the king sounded a lot like victor garber (laughs) i didn't notice he sounds just like it but it's maurice lamarche Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, and apparently the person who did The Queen is the writer and director of the film. Or oh. one of the writer-directors. They're Jennifer a pair. Jennifer Lee. Lee. And her partner in this was Chris Bach. Yeah. Her parents take them to this colony of trolls that's living nearby. They cure Anna, basically saying, you know, it's a good thing she was hit in the head. The heart is not so easily changed, but the head can be persuaded. So I don't know why you need to persuade the magic away, but that's what they do. But it seems like they cure her by removing so memories that's of the magic happening. But not the fun. I don't understand what the problem was, because especially later in the movie, based on stuff later in the movie, you would think the problem is just that her head is frozen. Yes. But then he acts like removing memories of the magic is going to cure her, and then they have to keep it a secret from her. But then later when she finds out about it, there's no repercussions Nothing to her bad head. Happens. So I, I really don't understand this. It was weird, and I didn't understand it either. It didn't really make sense. And I don't know why they couldn't have just magicked it away. Like, I don't know why they're needed. Well, I know why they wanted to magic the memories away. It was to make Anna's backstory more tragic. Yeah. Unnecessarily so. They could have separated her from her sister while still having her remember that her sister can perform magic. Like, that, they could have done that. It still would have been just as sad. Yeah, exactly. Kieran Hines, you've let me down. He was the troll king. Oh, I don't know who that <laughs> I is. I love him so much. He was Mance Raider in uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. The memories of magic are removed. Elsa is warned to learn control because if she doesn't, Question terrible mark. things will happen. Yeah. Uh, also, this whole thing is seen by young Kristoff for some reason, who just happens to be nearby when it's happening. The parents, the king and queen of Arendelle, decide the best thing is total secrecy and seclusion and keeping Elsa away from the rest of the world for essentially the rest of her life. But don't worry, she's still the next in line to become queen. That's going to go awesome. This is where I have another question. Is Elsa the only human being with magic? So she's obviously not because the troll acts like he's seen it before because he says, was she cursed with this or born this way? And the parents don't seem to mind that she has magic. And they're like, no, she was born this way. So it doesn't seem like it's unheard of. Because their solution seems to be locking her in a room and teaching her everything themselves. Yeah, which they're not great at. There's Well, there's no magic teacher who could teach her this stuff. Also, don't they have a kingdom to run? Nope. Uh, mostly just... Because uh, they're always there together, helping her learn how to control her magic. Mostly yeah. just by being like, learn <laughs> control! <laughs> uh, they have a very specific phrase for this. Conceal it. Don't feel it. Which is really weird. But really catchy. I know why they use it. I know, but it's weird. Like, their whole training is put gloves on. <laughs> no. This is kind of characteristic to me of the whole movie, which is just that it's it's very lazy. It's basically like, even though your parents love you, they did something bad. They taught you how to control this in the wrong way, which is by rejecting it, not embracing it. Yeah. Because, this is important later, the troll says that fear makes it worse. So negative emotions are going to make all of this worse. And in the end, the fear is is like what could bring Elsa down. 
So they go about it by making her very afraid of, of everything to do with her magic. Good job, guys. Parents of the year. So then we get the song. Terrible second song. Do you want to build a snowman? Do you want to build a snowman? Come on, let's go and play. I never see you anymore. Come out the door. It's like you've gone away. This is more characteristic of the rest of the songs in this movie. It's very poppy. The language usage is really modern sounding. It doesn't have any sort of Scandinavian feel to the way it's working. It's kind of like the songwriters and the person who did the the film score never talked to each other. I know. And I really hate that they all start out as like talking from this point on. They do. Yes, they do. So we get a time lapse where we see them getting older. Anna has no other friends. There's no one in the castle but her parents who are always busy with her sister behind closed doors. And a few servants we don't see till later on. There's nobody her age she can spend any time with. Well, hang on. She talks to paintings, such as a painting, I believe, of Joan of Arc. She (laughs) says, hang in there, Joan. And it's a lady in armor. Hang in there until what? Your horrible death at burning at a stake? What are you talking about? Why? Why? In Scandinavia, do they have a framed painting of Joan of Arc? I also don't understand. How old was she supposed to be when all of this happened? She looked like she was like four years old. She looked really young. So, why does she keep trying to get her sister to come out of her room? She drives for really long. She drives up until she's a late teenager. Like, at a certain point, you would just learn not to do that. You would just learn that she's in there. And I don't, I don't get it. And you would probably assume that your sister was like, I don't know, crazy? Because why else yeah. would she be locked away from the rest of the world for basically her entire life? Yeah, exactly. Something's wrong with her. But it's, you know, whatever. It's a kid's movie. Anyway, Elsa's magic is still not getting any better. She's still completely out of control, mostly because of her parents' awesome teaching skills. Their parents go on a trip, a sea voyage. They're supposed to be back in a few weeks, but instead they're killed at sea. Everyone's very sad. Then we jump three years in the future to the coronation. The city's getting ready for this coronation. Kristoff and Sven show up because why not? It's a big deal. Uh, Kristoff is doing the most annoying thing in possibly the entire movie. Oh, it's so bad. Which is talking for Sven. And also, I couldn't tell at first if that was the reindeer talking or not. (laughs) And I was very upset that I couldn't tell. This kind of feels like it's their way of getting around the talking animal companion. But I would actually find the talking animal companion less annoying than Kristoff talking for Sven. I would find them equally annoying, but I really hated it because his reindeer voice was so stupid. Like, do you think your reindeer is mentally challenged? Well, and what's weird is that his reindeer seemed to be agreeing with everything he was saying. Yeah, it's weird. Also, it's super gross that he shares carrots that have been in his reindeer's mouth. Oh, yeah, there's a really low sanitation I am far from a germaphobe, (laughs) like very far, but that was super gross. Yeah. Because they drew it covered in reindeer (laughs) slobber. Was it supposed... Whatever. Anyway. So we also see the Duke of Wesselton, which is constantly pronounced Weaseltown. Alan Tudyk. I know, which makes me really happy, although this is a dumb part with nothing to it. So I'm glad he got the check. 
Oh, he getting those sweet frozen residuals. The Duke of Wesselton is there for sinister purposes, just kind of generally Which nefarious. Which she just at flat this point. out says in a totally non-scary way. My problem with the Duke is that he's not threatening at all. He's just silly. Yeah, he, no, he is. Definitely but he's set up for as the villain for most of the movie. Yeah, the Duke is another character I have a problem with, and this is the same thing of the movie being two completely separate stories done at one time. Anna is extremely excited about this day. She starts singing for the first time in forever about the castle doors being open. For the first time in But I'm somewhere in that zone. How are those similar? How do those feel similar? I just have a problem. I get what they were trying to do with that line, but it I don't think it works. I don't think any of these songs are very well written. I They're fine. Okay, here's what I'll say. They're fine. This entire movie is fine for young children because young children have no standards. Right. We're judging this as a kids movie that can also be enjoyed by adults. These songs are incredibly poorly written. They're not clever. They very rarely propel the, the plot forward. They're just and saying they're what people are th- feeling at that time. Yes, and they're completely out of tone with the setting of the film, which is both historical and in Scandinavian countries. Yep, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but like people that say, well, it's a kid's movie, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't mean it can't be good. Look yes. at Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Those songs are amazing. A lot of those old songs were. And I am probably one of the few people that likes The Hunchback of Notre Dame, mm-hmm. which isn't wasn't appropriate for the age of kids people normally think of Disney movies for and they got a lot of flack for it and it is far from a perfect film but the music in it is the reason I like it so much oh because it uses Gregorian chant as the inspiration for the songs because it's set in a church yeah this doesn't do that there's a lot of modern like totally awesome kind of talk in the songs and the dialogue, but also the songs, which I find very annoying. Agreed. And my favorite part of this movie was actually really early on. You saw a lot of Scandinavian folk art um, influences, mm-hmm. like in the decorations and yes. everything. And I thought that was really cool. And then they kind of dropped it later in the movie. Like, you just didn't see it anymore. Right, because they're leaving town, so there's not as much. Right. This also has the line that drives me nuts, which is, so you had elated or gassy. I had. I suddenly see him standing there, a beautiful stranger, tall and fair. I want to stuff some chocolate in my face. Yeah, what? Can we just continue with thought to its conclusion and then talk about chocolate? No. Are they related? Does she have some kind of eating disorder? (laughs) Because then she goes on to say, but then we talk and laugh all evening, which is totally bizarre. It kind of made me wonder if it was supposed to be like, oh, I'm so nervous. I want to eat a whole bunch of chocolate because they kind of had her doing the classic rom-com girl thing. Like, oh, she's clumsy and blah, blah, blah. She was a classic rom-com idiot girl. Yeah. Theoretically, in your imagination, you wouldn't be so nervous that you were binge eating to gather up courage to talk to the stranger. Like, in your imagination, it's magical and there's chocolate is just 
nearby. Yeah, like your best case scenario that you're in charge of still includes you being so nervous that you have to stress eat chocolate at a ball. (sighs) Anyway. But the whole point of the song is that she super duper duper wants to fall in love. Oh, well, and have friends because she hasn't seen anybody in forever. But like mainly fall in love. And fall in love. Friends are a, a distant afterthought. Yeah. She's falling in love. Well, good news for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Accurate. Anna walks through the town and falls in a boat when she's basically run into by Hans's horse. When a horse almost runs you over and maybe gives you a concussion... That's very romantic. Well, apparently it is because she immediately forgives Prince Hans because of his handsomeness. Hans is a prince from a neighboring country that we find out he's the youngest of 13 brothers or something. Then we cut to Elsa's coronation. It's all very magical. She's forced to take off a glove, which is very nervous, but it goes off without a hitch. Kind of. She does freeze the stuff, but then she puts it down and it stops. Yeah. Elsa and Anna speak at the ceremony. It's really awkward, but, you know, they bond over chocolate and stuff. They haven't talked to each other in over 10 years. They are talking like they are distant acquaintances, which I think sums up their relationship really well. Yeah. Anna is harboring absolutely no anger or resentment to her elder sister that was both reclusive and hogged all of her parents' attention and is (laughs) the reason she had no friends growing up. This either makes her the best person in the world or the stupidest. She just she does strike me as kind of stupid. And I, I feel like she's just and part of that, honestly, is that she kept knocking on the door, you know, after 12 years of nothing <laughs> happening. And I, I just feel like her optimism veers into stupidity. It feels like she's forgiving her because she's her sister, not because this is a natural emotion that people would feel. Sistership yeah. only gets you so far. Oh, yeah. But Anna still seems to be having a good time and happy that she's able to talk to Elsa. Yeah. Then she has another meet cute with Hans where they kind of run into each other on the dance floor. And they start talking about, like, they go off by themselves and talk about family. And and that segues into Love is an Open Door. Love is an Open Door. Yeah, so something that I really, really bothered me in this song, and it seems small, but I don't feel like it is. They said, finishing each other's... Oh, I had that written down! Yeah, and so there's four question marks behind my note for that. I mean, it's crazy, we finish each other's... Sandwiches. That is an Arrested Development line that was somewhat well-known, and it really bothers me that they reused that joke. And it's not a clever, it was good in Arrested Development, but taken by itself, there's no sandwiches around. They're not eating sandwiches. Yeah. There's no sandwiches in sight. They say this, there's no reason to think it. And then he says, that's what I was going to say. Really? Yeah, it bothers me so much. Like, they took this joke that they thought was funny, probably because wherever they saw it was funny. Mm -hmm. And then they put it into a joke that kids aren't even going to notice. And it's a tough joke to sell. It's, it is. On its own, it's extremely cheesy and awful and lazy. Like most of the jokes in this movie, like a lot of the writing, it's lazy. Yeah. 
This song also drives me a little bit nuts because the song is called Love is an Open Door. That's the main chorus of it. It starts with the line, all my life, like, doors have been closed to me or whatever she's saying. And we all know it's because of her sister's closed door. Doors are not a recurring theme in the lyrics of this song. That's the only time they're mentioned. Then they start talking about a bunch of things. They're completely unrelated to doors (laughs) or them being open or closed. And then it's just love is an open door. I guess that kind of just encapsulates the problem with all of these songs. They just don't seem to have a theme that ties them together. They're they're poorly written. Yeah, it's just them talking about how they're feeling and like not even in a way that you're like, oh, well, that's a good song. There's a lot of songs. You you dissect them and you're like, oh, that's kind of stupid, actually. Mm -hmm. But these, it just just hits you in the face. This is a Disney movie. They could get anyone to write these songs. They should have pretty high standards for them. I don't mean to keep comparing this to previous Disney movies, but I think a really good example of a well-written musical song is Hellfire from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. So when he's singing about Hellfire, for one thing, we're seeing him stare into the flames, Mm -hmm. and he's talking about being tempted... And he's using a lot of this type of imagery and metaphor. And so we understand when he's talking about, you know, like fire, hellfire. Like we understand that. And it also comes right after Quasimodo's song, Heaven's Light. Oh. That was a good song metaphor that ties into the themes of the movie, the placing, the place and setting that they're in, and that continues throughout the entire song. Yeah. Here we get Love is an Open Door, where we get two mentions of a door. (laughs) Super duper lazy. Anyway, they go into the ballroom, immediately tell Elsa they want to get married, and are furious when she refuses. Then Anna starts complaining. uh, Oh, because then she's like, ball's over, close the doors, like, kick everyone out of the castle, close the doors. Anna is understandably upset about this. She doesn't want to be shut in the castle again. Well, once again, don't know why the castle doors being shut means that she can never leave the castle and interact with anyone else in the town. Yeah, well, it's funny because she's like, can we talk about this in private? And Anna's like, no, whatever you have to say to me, you can say to Hans. Yeah. And I was like, really? I feel like you should understand that. Well, certainly. How about private just not being the middle of a ballroom? Yeah, exactly. So Anna's now pleading and begging and freaking out because she doesn't want the doors to close. Elsa's getting flustered because she doesn't want to deal with this problem and she's already upset. Anna accidentally pulls Elsa's glove off and Elsa, in an attempt to stop Anna's, you know, complaining, gets really angry and accidentally does some ice magic. Then she starts freaking out because everyone's now seen that she can do ice magic and that she lost control and all of yeah, this stuff. And the Duke and she, of Westleton is like, she's a monster. Right. Which, again, is this weird thing. We never see anyone else who can do magic. And yeah. most people don't seem very flustered by it if, like, magic exists and is real. They just, we get one person saying she's a monster and no one else really reacting directly to it being good or bad or They don't even ever you. talk about it. Nobody ever talks about, wow, I didn't know magic was real. And I never really thought about it until I was doing this outline about how, you know, because I always took it for granted that magic was just a thing that was possible in this community. But I didn't think about how little sense that made until I started doing the outline for the way that she was treated and taught. Yeah. Elsa runs away and she freezes the entire fjord and the town in the process. Right. It was summer. Yes. And this is now brought on eternal winter. 
Anna feels responsible for pushing Elsa, so she decides that she's also going to be responsible for getting her back, which means driving or riding off on a horse by herself. Yeah. She doesn't uh, stop to change into the many winter garments she should have. No, but she does leave time to leave Prince Hans in charge. Which no one bats an eyelash at. No one does. Who is this guy? Some other prince is now just in charge of this place. Okay. Personally, I think a better option would have been... Almost anyone. If you're going to say ministers, don't, because I don't think there are any. <laughs> yes, because it does feel like there should be some ministers, maybe. Yeah. Nope, for three years, <laughs> just nobody was ruling. Nobody was doing anything. Yeah. Oh, man. Now we get the big song. We cut, and we see Elsa wandering through the forest, and let it go. Let it go. Yeah, so I feel like she's both in denial and maybe has super speed. <laughs> because she got really far, really fast, and she's not processing what just happened. She is singing a super happy song. She's psyched about this. We do find out later that she doesn't know that the town is frozen. Right, but she's... I still think she's not processing what's happened. No, she's not. I do think we are jumping a little bit in the future, but she does seem to be pretty wrapped up. For a queen, she seems to be pretty wrapped up in her own deal. I do care about what her dress is made out of. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's talk about this dress. So she's singing this song that's basically about, oh, thank goodness. Now I'm free. I can live by myself in this ice castle that I'm currently making around me and I'm free forever. Weird sentiment, I think, to just want to be trapped in an ice palace by yourself the entire time. We see her doing ice magic, so she makes a snowman, she makes all these things, and she makes her castle. And then she makes clothes. So, so far we've seen that her magic is controlling ice. Now we see her magically, for one thing, melting her own clothes away, but also making new clothes, which looks like a 40s style, like a Lana Turner could have worn this dress. Yep. There's a huge slit up the leg. It's made from this kind of sh shimmery, glittery material. It's a little low cut, I think. It's a hot dress. She also made herself heels. Yep. I'm sorry. If I'm living by myself in an ice palace, I'm wearing flats. Thanks. Uh, there's no men, Rose, not snow women. Gotta keep it tight. <laughs> so can her, does her magic now extend to making glittery clothing? I just assumed that all that stuff's made out of ice and snow. But it does move like fabric. I, I'm not a sorceress. I don't know what's going on here. That's the only thing that makes sense, though. It is bizarre. Yeah. Okay, so one more thing about Let It Go. Elsa was originally supposed to be the villain of this movie. Right. Like the fairy tale. Like in the fairy tale. Mm -hmm. This song is the reason she's not. They loved the song, but they thought it was too positive for a villain. So they rewrote the movie around this song. That's funny. Yeah. Well, and the dumb thing is the sentiment of the song isn't actually that great. It is a very positive sounding song. It sounds positive, yeah. But to just basically say to yourself, I'm just going to live with no sense of responsibility or control over myself and be free yeah. isn't actually a great sentiment. It's a terrible one. Um, everybody has responsibilities. And, and there's a reason that you're stuck by yourself in an ice palace when you're singing this. Yeah, right? 
Is that really better? So enjoy your life as a hermit. Yeah. And guys, this is coming from Rose. Okay. <laughs> if anybody that I know would like to live alone in an ice palace, <laughs> I would nominate her first. So the fact that she's turning it down and saying it's bad, you know it's real. Now we're back with Anna wandering through the wilderness. She falls into a puddle. Her dress immediately freezes. She, but what? thankfully. No, 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 no. Hold on. Why is there a puddle if water freezes that fast? <laughs> Why would the puddle be unfrozen? I guess it's supposed to be that it's running water. Everything else was frozen. Later on, we see that waterfalls are frozen. That's true. So this lazy <laughs> plot device. I didn't even think about that. Well, also, it's kind of lazy in the sense that the trading post, which is what she stumbles upon, isn't actually important. She could have run into Kristoff anywhere. Oh, yeah, she could have just gotten just... lost in the forest and run into Kristoff. Yeah, that was just bizarre. Yeah, there was no reason for the trading post to exist. Mm -mm. But she stumbles across it. They're selling all of their summer stock on sale. <laughs> Hilarious. Kristoff walks in. He says the cold front's coming from the North Mountain. He's feeling sorry for himself because he's an ice seller and now it's the middle of an eternal winter. Which, can I just say, like, they're really overreacting to this, I think. Like, it's been an hour? <laughs> yeah. Kristoff gets kicked out of the trading post for bartering too hard with the trader. Instead, he stays in a nearby empty cabin, which I feel like is attached to the trading post. So I don't know why he like just kind it. of like goes in there to stay and acts like, oh, this empty cabin I can definitely stay in. No one's going to want it. He doesn't get kicked out, though. So he's probably right. He sings a little song, a little duet with his reindeer for no reason called Reindeers Are Better Than People. Oh, gosh, I forgot about this because it was so <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Anna comes into the cabin. She wants him to take her up the mountain. And she wants to leave, like, right now. He doesn't want to take her, but she buys him the stuff that he wanted. So he's like, okay, I guess I'll do it. Uh, also, she, he's, like, literally nothing else to do. He's an ice seller. He's he also honestly doesn't have a choice. He he acts like he can just say no to the princess. Yeah, she's a princess. She's monarchy. On their way, they have a bit of a conversation about what happened to the queen. Kristoff can't believe that she got engaged after less than a day. Let's talk about it a lot because Kristoff super cares about your personal life, Anna. I get that it's supposed to be old. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you have to get to know somebody before you get engaged to them and married, especially if you're royalty, blah, blah, blah. Like, really? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden this is a thing now? Like, what? Make up your mind. That's so yeah, modern. It is. Then they're chased by wolves for no good reason other than to destroy the sled. Yay! They I don't know why this... also felt really lazy and made me just have Beauty and the Beast flashbacks. It did give me Beauty and the Beast flashbacks. Like the snow and the wolves and all that. Yeah. Um, it kind of felt like they were like, oh man, there's a lot of talking right now. Let's spice things up with a chase scene. Because it's kind of unimportant that the sled got destroyed. It doesn't slow them down at all. Ever. Yeah. Also, why did he have a sled before it was snowing? <laughs> this is the only way people get around. Maybe he pulled it out of the shed. Maybe so. So the sled is destroyed, and Anna goes off on this pity party. Like, she'll she'll understand if he doesn't want to help her anymore. Why does the... She acts like the sled being destroyed is her fault somehow. Like, she conjured up the wolves to chase them and destroy the sled. And to be fair, he should have been smart enough to say, uh, we're waiting until it's light for all of the obvious reasons. Yeah. 
obviously he's not going to turn back. What is the point of turning back now? So they keep going. Well, also, it helps, I guess, that he did his stupid reindeer voice instead of just having thoughts like a normal person. Like, he, Well, he did, because he was, like, going to stay behind. And then, like, Sven, through Sven, he guilt-tripped himself into going with her. And I'm like, it's called just being a decent human being. Just, like, go with her. Yeah, She's just, also the princess. Yeah. Also, like, stop leaning on your reindeer as some kind of crutch. Yeah. Like, just have thoughts like a normal person. And he's just like, well, how are you going to stop it? And she's like, I'm going to talk to her. She'd never hurt me. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't believe that. So you're not helping anybody, including yourself, buddy. Yeah. You want to get carrots for your buddy Sven? Get on this. Well, totally. So they're walking to the North Mountain and they, did you have something else to say? Well, I was just thinking about how nice it would be if they had, like, a weird little funny creature to tag along with them. Well, you're in luck because as they're walking to the North Mountain, they meet Olaf. And I like warm hugs. Olaf is a snowman. Just real quick, I didn't mention this. While they're playing in the beginning of the movie, she creates, with her ice magic, Elsa Mm -hmm. creates Olaf. He is a sentient snowman, which also gives me more questions about Elsa's magic, because this is not the only sentient creature she creates. Yeah, my other question is, why doesn't he have a nose, and yet he has arms and buttons already? So now we get the song, Summer. Bees the buzz, kids will blow dandelion fuzz, and I'll be doing whatever snow does in summer. I drink in my hand, my snow up against the burning sand, probably getting gorgeously tanned in summer. I thought this was one of the best songs in the movie. I hated this song, and I will tell you why. Although, I do want to say... This is actually the perfect example of dramatic irony for how to teach your kids what dramatic irony is. Yeah, like, I I just felt like this felt like a song that could actually have been in a movie like this. You know, it was one of the only ones that, like, has a theme and a point. It did, but you know what it made me think of, Hmm. actually? I'm going to go non-Disney on this. By the Sea in Sweeney Todd. Okay. Yeah. In the sense that it is a song about a character's hopes and dreams who's not actually the main character of the story that is a complete dead stop in the actual plot of the story and has no relevance on the plot of the story. It seems like, guess what, guys? This is the sidekick. We're giving him his own song. It has no bearing on anything. Yeah. But it's a funny character trait. Yeah. Yeah. That That's all it was. That's all so much of this movie was, though. So much of it was just like, look, this thing's in here now. All right, moving on. Yes. Olaf isn't going to get a lot of mention in this because he's not, he does very little in the plot. Um, he could have actually been cut entirely from this movie, except possibly for one scene toward the very end. They could have had which they could have that. Well, which they could have cut <laughs> because I'll talk about this later, but the scene doesn't play out logically. I actually liked Olaf. I actually thought he was my favorite character in this movie because I thought that he had more commitment to his character than anybody else, I feel like. I don't know. I liked him, and I thought that some of his stuff was funny, but yeah. Yeah. But he's basically the one delivering the jokes. Yeah. In case you're wondering. We cut back to Arendelle. Hans is distributing blankets. The Duke of Wesselton complains, just in general, about the winter and not being able to leave and just because he's a jerk. Anna's horse comes back. She lost her horse when she fell in the river. Yeah. FYI. Well, I think her, it was Hans's horse. So Hans's horse comes back that Well, Anna whatever, was whatever horse she was riding. Yeah. Comes back. 
Uh, and Hans is now worried about Anna's safety, so he gathers volunteers to go after her. The Duke of Wesselton sends two men. He says, Be prepared for anything, and should you encounter the Queen, you are to put an end to this winter. We cut back to Anna, who's talking to Kristoff. Her plan is to just chat with her sister. Yeah. Just say, hey, maybe you could, like, end this eternal winter thing? Yeah, turn it That's back. That's the grand plan. Kristoff has a problem with this for some reason. But I mean, she doesn't know her sister, so. And he mostly talks to a reindeer all day, so <laughs> maybe don't take his word for it. Yeah. Uh, he, did we mention that he has friends who are love experts? Yeah, that gets mentioned now. Yeah. There's a lot of foreshadowing to these love expert friends. For no real reason. No reason, and it's very weird. Yeah, I mean, it does get brought up later, but, like... It's not very important. Anyway, Olaf finds a staircase conveniently to the palace, which does make sense. I mean, Elsa has to be able to leave it. Yeah, and it's like way up in a chasm or something. Yeah. Anna goes into the palace and Elsa just kind of walks out and is like, hey, nice to see you. Yeah. Looking good. Anna's like, oh, you're looking good too. Just a friendly sisterly chat. Glad you dropped by. Elsa forgives Anna for provoking her, but she wants her to leave. Anna is like, no, everything's fine now. You can come back and you'll, like, everything will be great and we'll be sisters and friends just like I always wanted to be. And then Elsa flashes back to the accident that once again was mostly Anna's fault. Also that we've already seen, they could have just had her looking, they could have just close up had her looking really worried and kind of sad. We would have known what she was thinking about. I have a very short memory, so I like to have lots of flashbacks in my movies just to be reminded of what I've already seen. Well, we all have different preferences. I like seeing the city again because I have trouble with object permanence. <laughs> Anna's begging Elsa to come back. Elsa, and he, she tells her... Things actually aren't that great in the city. There's, you know, like eternal winter and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, but so maybe oh, you do you not know? With. Actually, so now we get the first time in forever reprise. For the first time in forever, I'm so I can't be No escape from the storm inside. can't control the Which is actually, I think, well done. This is possibly my second favorite song in the movie, just because it is a reprise and it's done with a different style and tone, but calling back to the first thing. So I actually enjoyed this a lot, even though I didn't really care for the first song. Um, <laughs> Elsa freaks out at this news, does not take it well. Because she doesn't know how to reverse it. Yeah, because Anna's like, oh, you can just undo it. And she's like, I don't know how. And so they have this argument. Um, Elsa freaks out and she hits Anna in her heart with the magic, which we've already been warned in the beginning was bad news. Anna falls down, but then, you know, gets back up again versus the first time she got hit in the head with magic and just was in a coma until the trolls brought her out of it. Yeah. Elsa creates, I'm going to call it an ice golem because it doesn't seem as smart as Totally. That's exactly what I was calling it, though. Do you know what it's actually called? What? Marshmallow. Oh, I forgot it does get a name for some reason. For some reason. No reason. There's no name. This was clearly probably an Ann Ryder joke. I think it was. And I, but I always called it an ice golem too. Yeah. I'm going to go with ice golem. She creates this ice golem to force them to leave. Anna gets mad when the ice golem throws them out and she throws a snowball at it and the golem just freaks out. Oh, he loses it. Yeah. 
dear Elsa. And Elsa does st- nothing to yeah. stop any of this. I make know what's happening outside the palace. But like, yeah. Do you have windows, Elsa? Can you see this golem attacking your sister and her friend? Don't care. Not but my problem. once again, we've had the whole talking problem. Just too much talking. So now we get a chase scene where the golem is chasing them over the, the chasm. What if we fall? There's 20 feet of fresh powder down there. It'll be like landing on a pillow. Yeah, it does not matter what you're landing on if you are falling 200 feet. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Because your neck will break in the air. Yeah, exactly. I hate to teach you a hard lesson, kids, but your neck will break in the air. Yeah, falling is what's going to kill you. Yeah. They emerge from this chase scene unscathed, which is why it was completely unnecessary to have in the first place. Anna freaks out about not having a solution to the eternal winter thing now. But there's a bigger problem. More of her hair is turning white. So one lock of her hair turned white when she was hit in the head with ice magic as a child. And she's always had that. But now more. kind of like blondish. Though, it is almost. blonde. They call it white. It is just really a white blonde. Yeah. But now it's Which is actually Elsa's actually hair color. White. Yeah, exactly. Now her hair is turning. More of her hair is turning white. Which Kristoff points out to her and he's like, don't worry, I've got friends that can deal with this. His love expert friends. They set off to go see his friends. We get a shortcut scene of Elsa struggling to control her magic now even by herself because she's panicking again. So even though she's by herself, and I don't know what kind of control she has over this, but now there's like some serious dramatic red lighting in her ice palace. I know, right? So I'm hoping this is also something she can magically control. And we go back to, they're now at where his friends are. So that was a quick trip. Kristoff walks up to this field of rocks and is like, oh, it's my friends. And Anna and Olaf are understandably a little concerned about why he seems to be talking to rocks. Yeah. I did like. These trolls, I just want to say, must be huge jerks because they don't transform into trolls for like a good minute. As his friends are thinking he's certifiably insane. Yeah. So the trolls see Anna and Kristoff and are immediately like, you know, I know nothing about this person, but like, these people need to be a couple. Yeah. That's so racist. You see two white people together (laughs) and you just think they should get married. Two humans together. Yeah. These trolls are terrible and I hate them so much. It's also weird. So this is another one of those songs that makes absolutely no sense no. in the greater context of the story. So they immediately see Kristoff and Anna decide for no good reason these two people need. Let's keep in mind, they came there to treat a serious medical problem for Anna. Yeah. They see them get completely sidetracked by the idea of matchmaking and sing the song Fixer Upper. So he's a bit of a fixer upper, but this for certain love. You can fix this fixer upper with a little bit of love. Which I have huge problems with. Oh, me too. First of all, is this you trying to sell him to her? You're trying to sell the idea of marrying him by listing all of his faults repeatedly. Really? Yes, and it's... Completely unnecessary because Anna and Kristoff's relationship hasn't been a huge focus for this movie. Okay, once again, this is another one of those things that kind of solidifies the two different plots playing alongside each other. And this is the plot that no one ever considers the main plot, but gets equally as much screen time as the whole sister plot. Fixer Upper is completely unnecessary as an entire song. For one thing, Anna shouldn't consider Kristoff a fixer-upper if they're really, like, meant to... Like, do you really want... Because we find out that Kristoff is the 
adopted human, basically, of this troll tribe. This gets very little explanation, which is why his backstory seems so bizarre. So this whole thing is about how you should change people, right? You should you should get a fixer-upper and you should just change his flaws. But then they kind of even undo this idea by having this one of the trolls sing. We're not saying you can change him because people don't really change. We're only saying that love's a force that's powerful and strange. People make bad choices if they're mad or scared or stressed. Yeah, I know where the line is in there. It has nothing to do with what is going on with Kristoff or Anna. It has nothing to do with matchmaking or any of the flaws that were noticed. This is relating to the Anna-Elsa plot, which they know nothing about. Yeah, I know. And then they find out that Anna's engaged, and they're like, oh, well, so she's a fixer-upper, too. And I'm like, no, you're just homewreckers. You're little homewrecker trolls. They don't know anything about her engagement. They don't know she's engaged to some guy she only knew for one day. For all she knows, she's engaged to the love of her life. This puts them firmly into very creepy territory, because they're like, that's fine, but you guys have to get married. To the point, they literally set up a wedding and start marrying them. By the end of the song. And they're like, what's happening? And they're like, you guys are getting married right now. But you're like, wait, what? Yeah. It only stops because Anna faints. Yes. Literally the song ends and she immediately faints because let's remember guys, serious medical issue. What are these trolls even supposed to be? Like when did they become third rate advice columnists? It's bizarre. This whole song is extremely strange and completely unrelated. And this is my other problem, is we keep getting these things brought up and they're not treated... I understand that people want to see funny things and kids want to see funny things. But you know what kids also want to see? They would like to see drama where drama is due. I enjoyed, as a child, I enjoyed a bit of drama. It didn't even have to be good drama because, once again, I was a child. I had very low standards for everything. But, But some scary stuff happened. Lion King? That was scary. Well, yeah. And Rafiki, as a wise man, was treated with respect. He was treated as a wise man. Occasionally, he would say, like, funny wise man things. But he was generally treated with respect and reverence and kind of like this mystical, you know, knowledge. This this monkey is going to know so much more than you ever could. That should be kind of the way these trolls are treated. And they tried and failed to do that by keeping Kieran Hines, the head troll, out of the song. But they failed epically because after this song, all I could think of these trolls as were basically the muses from Hercules. Absolutely. It was ridiculous. And it totally took away any gravity that their role may have Yeah. They ask if he can fix the ice magic. Which we know from before that he can't. Yes, because there's ice in her heart. Only an act of true love can thaw a frozen heart. So they immediately think, oh, we need to take her back to Hans for a true love's kiss. I would like to say that I would not hear act of true love and interpret it as a true love's kiss. A kiss is not really... I mean, it's an act of affection. It's like a reminder that you love someone. But it's not an act of love in and of itself. I would assume an act of love to thaw a frozen heart would be something Be more than a kiss. Yeah. You'd have to, like, do something. A kiss doesn't sacrifice anything. Yeah. But because they're trying to, like, subvert the idea of a true love's kiss, this is immediately what it's interpreted as. Yes. Meanwhile, Hans and the gang have arrived (laughs) at the ice palace and are fighting the golem. 
The Duke's men manage to get into the castle and start chasing Elsa, but she uses her well, magic. She, he's shooting. They're shooting crossbows at her. Too. Yes. Yeah. But she uses her magic to defend to defend herself. Hans stops her from killing them and then saves her by deflecting one of the arrows that they sneakily try and shoot at her. He ends up shooting it at a chandelier, breaking it so that it falls on Elsa a little bit. Yes. Question: How is she not able to? To deal with this chandelier that's made of ice. Yeah, she made the chandelier. It's made of ice. And we've seen that her ice can... She can use her ice to deflect things. She could have just made more ice for it to land on. Like, Theoretically, I she's more afraid right now than she's ever been. Yeah. I don't understand she that. She come to her like, so, like nothing. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. But... But whatever, for the sake of drama, this happens. Elsa wakes up to find herself in, in the dungeon. Hans comes in and asks her to lift... The Eternal Winter. Elsa says she can't and asks to be let go. And he says, you know, I'll try and leaves. At this point, the audience should be getting suspicious because he's been left in charge with no oversight. He could let her go if they wanted. I guess theoretically she doesn't know this, but the audience at least should be getting suspicious. Yeah. Kristoff and Sven gallop to the castle. They drop Anna off at the doors. Kristoff and Sven leave, kind of sadly. A little bit Charlie Brown style. (laughs) We see Hans in a room at the palace saying to a gathered assortment of what are, like, the Duke and possibly some servants. Yeah, unclear who the other people are. One would assume that these were other government officials he was talking to, but that can't possibly be true because nope. this, is, this is a country that relies on one family and one family alone for government. Yeah, and sometimes not even them if they're not of age. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So if Anna doesn't come back, Hans is king. Because that makes sense. Right. It's the only possible solution to this problem. Anna bursts in and says, Only an act of true love can save me. Everyone else leaves to give them some privacy. Uh, which makes me wonder what they think this act of true love is going to be. It can be broadly interpreted. <laughs> I don't know. They don't want to take risks by assuming. But they clear the room for it. So she's like, oh, you have to kiss me. And he like leans in like he's going to kiss her because he's a huge jerk. And it's much crueler to do it this way. Oh, lean yeah. in and almost kiss her and then be like, oh, but... Nobody loves you. I don't love you. This whole thing has been an elaborate con because I'm never going to inherit the throne from my 12 brothers. So the only way I can get to be in charge of a country is by marrying a royal. And I was going to marry Elsa, but she's a little standoffish and you were just begging for it. Yeah. You were so desperate for love. Yes. So her his plan was to marry Anna and kill Elsa. Hans puts out all the fires in the room and then shuts her up in the room and then goes out to talk to all of the other people that had been assorted there. And basically, and this is bizarre. Yeah. This is the most unbelievable thing I think that happens in the entire movie, which is comes out, says she's dead, but thankfully they've managed to say their wedding vows to each other with no witnesses and no priest apparently. Yeah. And also Elsa is responsible for her death. So instead of, I don't know, rushing to see that the princess's body is dealt with or having further questions about this whole marriage thing you're claiming happened. Yeah. Everyone's just like, oh, no, I guess you're in charge. What? It's been like two minutes. Yeah. This is a princess you've been a servant for her entire life. You don't want to go and see her body? Nope. Here's the no other one thing. wants to check this. This is an easy check. Hans was an idiot to lie about this without 
some normally when this happens, like they think they've killed the person, but they actually haven't. Not just yeah. I'm just gonna lie about it before the fact. Yeah, also, I'm not sure how much of a rush there was on this. Like, he should have just sat there and waited. Yeah. So, because Anna died because of Elsa's ice magic, he's charging Elsa with treason and sentences her to death. Question mark. As though he has the authority while the queen is still alive. Well, yeah, because question mark, can a queen commit treason? Yeah, you wouldn't think so. I mean, every time she's she's technically, she's more powerful in the hierarchy than Anna is when yeah kings killed their wives it was she's been coronated yeah and he could have easily just charged her with murder yeah why did he need to charge her with treason this is a lazy writing thing where they I'm like I don't think tre- you can commit treason when you're the queen and also why couldn't he just have accused her of murder yeah, they say the word treason a lot in this movie, actually, and I think they just like how that sounds. Yeah, this is the moment when it suddenly becomes really important that she's a princess, even though no one has treated her like she's anything special for this entire movie. And it hasn't mattered at all. They haven't brought it up. Elsa yeah. freezes her chains and escapes. Kristoff and Sven wander sadly away. Kristoff does some more Sven talking, which Ugh. is, again, hugely annoying. Basically, you know, Kristoff is sad, but he says she's with her true love, but Sven wants to go back. They look back, and they see a huge storm over the town, and then they go galloping off to help her. Olaf shows up in the room where Anna is trapped, rescues her, like, picks the lock with his nose, and then rescues her. Carrots are great for lock picking. I know, it's the really fine tip on them, I think. Yeah. Olaf is understandably confused about what is happening right now. (laughs) Yeah. Anna says, it wasn't true love after all. Olaf gives her a lesson in love. Love is... Putting someone else's needs before yours, like, you know, how Kristoff brought you back here to Hans and left you forever. Or, like Olaf does, when he's by the fire he relights and says, some people are worth melting for. Yeah. This is an act of true love and therefore should break the the ice in her heart. Maybe it's because he didn't fully melt. I guess. But, like... You feel like if it had been important, he would have been willing to. Like, this yeah. is an act of true love. He's saying that he's going to stay by the fire to keep her company as she's dying, basically, even though it will mean that he melts. This is the moment where I'm just like, I have a huge problem with this because he is committing an act of true love and yet it does nothing. Yeah, I, I, I kind of figured it was because... It was because he didn't melt all the way. It was because they didn't want the curse to break right now. Oh, well, I, I'm i aware it of that. It was laziness. This is very upsetting to me because they're making this point about true love, not just having to be with someone you are romantically in love with. And then somebody commits a true an act of true love in the form of friendship. And yet it does nothing. Yeah. Very annoying. <laughs> Olaf goes to look out the window and he sees Kristoff coming towards them. So Anna and Olaf go out the window to go meet him. Kristoff is riding into the storm. So this is one of those things where it's, you know, the finale. So everything's happening at the same time. But just so you know where everyone is, Elsa's running across the ice. Anna and Olaf are also now on the ice running towards Kristoff. Kristoff is riding into the storm towards Anna. Hans is following Elsa. Yes. And tells her that Anna is dead because of her. Elsa, in her grief, stops the storm. I don't really understand the logic of this. You would think she would be more upset. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's a different type of upset, so it acts differently? Maybe. 
I don't, uh, I, I don't know. know. Here, here's the thing, though. Before the wind stops, before the storm stops, the ships are starting to move in the ice. <laughs> they look like bare-bone ships. Mm-hmm. It looks like the sail's not on them anymore. The wind is breaking the super-thick ice that nobody can break. I that that's not mm. what ha- that's not what happens. Like I when people when people get stuck in the ice, it does not matter how windy it is. Like at the right. North Pole, when explorers would get stuck in the ice, it didn't matter how strong the wind was, it's not going to break the boat out. Right. But they use it to add more danger while Anna's running on the ice like, "Oh, watch out cuz the boats are moving." blah blah blah. That's a good point. I didn't notice that. Kristoff runs towards Anna, whose hair is completely white by this point. But Anna sees that Elsa is about to be, like, stabbed by Hans. He's got a sword out. He's committing this death sentence immediately. Yeah, exactly. She's on the ground crying about Anna. Yes. She doesn't see him. So Anna chooses, instead of running to Kristoff, to run towards Elsa she saves Elsa from Hans by basically turning into, like, stepping in front of her and turning into ice as soon as Hans swings his sword down. So Hans' sword is very poorly made. It shatters so when it hits the ice. Made. Like, it's made of something that's weaker than ice. Yes. But in her choosing to save Elsa rather than herself, her own act of true love thaws her frozen heart. Yes. Anna and Elsa embrace, and then Elsa's like, an act of love can thaw. Of course! Now she understands. And then melts all the ice in Anne's winter, because this movie needs to wrap up. Like, is she just loving right now? Like, what's what's happening? Love melts the ice, she says, and then she starts melting everything. I don't understand. I don't understand why emotions have so much control over her magic, and I don't understand why love... I guess they're saying maybe that love is the opposite of fear, but I don't know why love would make, because this would imply that the more she loved, the less she would do any sort of magic at all. But she seemed, but she loved her parents and she loved Anna and she was still able to perform this magic and she's able to perform magic in the end when she's clearly loving her sister and her people and all this. Yeah. And really trust is the opposite of fear, not love that doesn't really check out. Yeah. But I was like, okay, are you melting the ice that you're standing on right now? Don't worry about (laughs) it. Because a ship pops up. It was sunk under the ice. But it pops up because that's what ships do. And all of the ships are now 100% seaworthy. When they were like derelict in the ice. I mean, they were not just sitting there in the ice. They were like half in. Yeah. Sinking. They're totally fine now. Yeah. Olaf begins to melt, but Elsa gives him his own personal flurry. I don't know how this prevents him from melting, but whatever. Right? We don't want to kill off the hilarious sidekick. Because, so. let me tell you, living in Texas, I can tell you that when it snows, but it's still warm outside, the snow doesn't stick. It just melts immediately. Yeah. He would need to live in a freezer. Yeah. Hans comes to, because he was knocked out by, like, the force of the magic or something. He So he comes to, and he's like, But she froze your heart. The only frozen heart around here is yours. And then punches him in the face. With enough force to knock him overboard. Can we please have a little class here for our Disney princesses? Nope, how dare you. 
Also, everybody that's watching starts cheering. Yes. Without knowing that Hans <laughs> is a villain. They don't know anything about what just happened, and they're oh still cheering. Yeah. Anna and Elsa hug. The Duke of Wesselton is forcibly ejected from the kingdom. Oh, um, this bothered me. How straightforward do you want to get with this movie? I know it's a kid's movie, but they come out and they're like, the queen has ruled that we'll never do business with you again. <laughs> oh, I know. And I'm like, okay, wow, that's... This you know, feels like you're shooting yourself in the foot also. also like, they could be a good trade partner. Well, also, like, take that, all his citizens. Yeah. Nice. And if he had just been ejected, I feel like we would have gotten the gist of it. Yes. So... Anna gives Kristoff a new sled, like she promised she would when his old sled was broken, and makes him the official court ice deliverer, and also her boyfriend. Oh, no. They have no chemistry. It's weird. (laughs) They have no chemistry, and the official court ice deliverer still does not get to date the royal princess. I know this is a kid's movie, but, like, maybe don't focus on his job right before he becomes the, the boyfriend of the princess. Yeah. Elsa makes an ice rink in the middle of town square, which I have to say, as a townsperson, I would be a little skeptical of after what had just happened. Like, give it some time, Elsa. Yeah. Read the room. (laughs) Yeah. Then she makes Anna some skates. Out of ice. Which goes along with this theory that she actually has magical control over both ice and clothes. Well, that is, they're made of ice, though. She Are just they? puts... That well, feels what, very uncomfortable. Well, what happens is she just... They just, like, pop up from under yeah. the shoe. So it's just the blades. Oh. But they're made of ice. Which I don't think I don't works. think would skate very well. I don't think that would work at all. No, I don't think so. And then we get credits with Demi Lovato singing... Let it go in the finest tradition of Disney movies right? by putting a pop version of the song at the end. Although I would like to say it does not hold a candle to Peebo Brayson's 90s duet. Celine Dion. Yep. In the credits, I think, artistically, by far my favorite part. Oh, like, agreed. The credit art were great. is beautiful. Very I loved it. beautiful Scandinavian. And I really wished the entire movie had been animated. Like, I understand that 3D is the animation style of the day, but if the entire movie had been animated like those credits were, it would have been so striking and beautiful. Yeah. Just putting it out there. I totally agree. I'm going to try to list two consequences that they put forth of Eternal Winter. One, the ice cutting business is is bad. Can you think of another one that they put forward in the movie? Was it that crops wouldn't grow? Nope, they didn't bring that up. Was it that animals were screwed? Nope. Was it... No, I can't think. Yeah, that was it. There are some really far-reaching consequences of this, including we won't have any food next year. Yeah. Never brought up once. That's funny. People are trapped in those ships that were in the bay. Nope. Not brought up. Yeah. So the whole movie was extremely low stakes until the last 15 minutes. Yes. There was no urgency about like unfree stuff, bad stuff's happening right now. The bad guy? Mm Mm-hmm. The Duke? Yeah. So there's two, there's kind of two bad guys in it. And one is the Duke and the other one is Hans. Yeah. And I feel like what they did is they put this toothless, not at all threatening 
Duke in. Because they knew they needed a villain. Exactly. So they used him as a placeholder until they got to the real villain, which just made most of the movie, I was not concerned at all. So just for a second, I would like to discuss the two different plots that run alongside each other in this movie. My biggest problem with this movie is the fact that there's too much going on. They tried to do way too much. And I think that the reason for this is that they couldn't let go of having a romance plot in a Disney princess movie. I think you're right. The main plot, and really the only plot, should have been Anna and Elsa and their relationship together. And this is clearly what they consider to be the main plot. And it's a good one. It's looking at sisters. It's looking at, you know, isolation and the choices we make and all of that stuff. But it gets, it doesn't get enough screen time. Their relationship isn't developed enough. I, no. for one thing, don't believe that they truly love each other. No, Because I, they don't, they've never spent enough time together to have a real relationship. No, it's just the fact that they're sisters that is the cause of this. Yes. Like, and only that. Right. And possibly the fact that Anna is just a very loving person in general but they don't have a real relationship together no one in the movie has a relationship no they don't that plot actually contains an interesting concept of this idea of a frozen heart but i think that the wrong character had the frozen heart yeah if magic causes a frozen heart then i honestly would have had elsa be cursed at birth with this ice magic And her heart be the one that's frozen. And the reason she goes off to live in an ice palace by herself is because of her inability to love and connect as this magic is slowly taking over her body. It is spreading to her heart and therefore stopping her ability to love. Yes. She and Anna should have had a much better relationship. Anna should have been affected by this and had to go stop Elsa from, you know, spending her life alone or from eternal winter. Both are good things. Yeah. Elsa should have been the one that had to commit the act of true love in order to unfreeze her own heart. Anna never showed any sign of having a diff- more difficult time loving when her heart was being frozen. So it doesn't make sense yes. that love would have unfrozen it. Yes, because that's what I thought. I thought her personality was going to start changing because right after it happened, she kind of is like, she she says something and I can't remember what, but she says something and I'm like, oh, is she this like cold person now? Mm-hmm. Nope, gone. Yeah. yeah. I, they, I mean, I thought they were going to do it, and they didn't. There's no logic, and there's no thematic tie to the way the the magic performs and what they're trying to say with the characters' relationships. Yeah. And it's just that thing of, I can forgive a lot in a kid's movie. I can forgive the dumb jokes and the quirky, hilarious side characters and the talking animals and the forced romance. I understand these are just elements in kids' movies, but... The way the magic performs in the movie is, to me, extremely lazy and shows that nobody thought through how to tie it to the main plot of the movie. Yeah, exactly. And And they were afraid of having Elsa be a cold person, but I think she could have still been, essentially, the villain of the movie and a likable character. I totally agree. I don't think those were mutually exclusive when we know that the reason she's becoming more and more isolated and alone is because of the curse of the magic that's laid upon her. In that case, we get kind of a Beauty and the Beast situation where it, as a result of the curse, her personality is changing. This would, yes. of course, kind of be the opposite. 
sort of becoming more likable, she's less likable. But, you know. Yeah. And I think that would have been really strong. And part of the joy of kids' movies is having a really strong, simple plot. That's one of the reasons that they can be so wildly successful is it's not bogged down by a lot of subplots. Yeah, and this one definitely was. Um, So often... I was just like, what's the plot of this? Yes. As I was watching it, I was like, what is the plot of this movie? Well, so let's discuss the second plot. The second plot is also, and the the difficulty is that they're both complex ideas for a kid's movie, which is why you should have only had one or the other. The second plot that happens in this movie is about the idea of love at first sight not necessarily being real love. And this is, of course... A commentary on Disney's general tradition of having love at first sight be the real deal. Right. I understand making a movie where this is a theme. It's actually not a bad theme for a kid's movie. As long as it's not just some preachy reactionary thing, which I kind of felt like this was. Yeah. We get Hans as the first love interest. And Anna convincing herself that she's loved him because of her own isolation and inexperience. And then we get her building a relationship with Kristoff that's, you know, supposed to be very real and suits her much better. I don't know that I bought either of the relationships in this, but let's assume that they were well done and we bought them. (laughs) This is a complicated enough plot that it would have needed to be its own movie. In this case, the Ice Queen would have just been your average ordinary villain and she wouldn't have had a relationship with her. The plot of the movie, the theme of the movie would have been about how you fall in love and when is love real love versus just your imagination and what you want. Yes. And the princess is about to be queen, but she has to go save her kingdom from... Yes, from snow, just some queen. random ice queen. But because they were unable to let go of having a romance plot in the movie, we get both of these kind of just poorly done. If they keep doing what they've been doing, that's going to happen more in Disney movies because the same thing happened, I think, in Tangled. This is something that I actually really liked about Brave, which doesn't get a lot of attention. And I think maybe people oh, didn't like it, it as should. much as I did. It was so good. I loved I Brave. that movie. Yeah. I loved Brave. And I was really impressed by them not having a romance plot for the princess. For yeah. actually the idea being... That sometimes you have to marry for the good of the clan because you are the clan leader. And sometimes you don't always get to marry for love. Sometimes you have to marry for duty. Sometimes you have to not do what you want, but do what's good for for everyone else. Yeah. And I thought that was really an interesting message for a kid's movie. And this whole criticism Mm -hmm. of the way princess movies are done... Yeah. This movie didn't get nearly enough attention for what I thought was actually a very feminist idea. Yes, especially because I feel like another message that they had was you need to figure yourself out first. Yes. Which is something that a lot of people don't do. They look to relationships to solve their problems instead of trying to figure out what their problems are and how to fix them first. Yes. So both of those were really groundbreaking, I thought. This movie was a huge success all around in merchandising and spinoffs in this movie. I know they're making a sequel. They've made a couple of short films and they've possibly made, you know, straight to DVD stuff that I don't really pay attention to because I don't have kids. Yeah. So worldwide box office alone, almost 1.1 billion. And it's still the highest grossing animated film of all time. Yep. 
this movie won Best Animated Picture, and it won Best Original Song. Oh my goodness. I, I understand the Best Original Song. This was massive hit. Here's the thing I'll say about those two Oscars for people that say this was an Oscar-winning movie. Both, I don't consider either of those categories to be very competitive or very interesting. Yeah, they're not competitive at all. The song is unimportant. It's going to just be whatever earworm people couldn't get out of their ear. It's typically a pretty sappy song. And it generally will come from a musical. The best animated film, I think, is a total cop-out. I don't understand... Especially now that 10 movies are getting nominated for Best Picture, I don't understand why animated movies aren't expected to compete on the same level that all other films are. Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Feature Film, and that was a huge coup because it was an animated kids movie. Mm -hmm. And I think with the growing respect people have for animated kids movies, that this category, which they made up essentially for Pixar should be gotten rid of. Because I think things like Inside Out, Mm -hmm. Toy Story 3, these are things that should be respected on a wider level than just shoved into an animation category and forgotten. Yeah, exactly. Because you're, at this point, a lot of times, I feel like a lot of times you're just voting on most popular kids movie of the year. Now that we've successfully ripped apart a beloved children's movie. Oh my gosh. It does not deserve to be beloved. It doesn't. And I don't understand why so many adults... I don't even understand why it did as well as it did critically. I I, don't either. I thought it was terrible with a lot of really glaringly obvious plot holes and story problems. Anyway, we'll finally stop talking about Frozen. But... I mean, like, we'll still talk about it after the mic is off. (laughs) Exactly. For years. Yes. But... But our next movie... Green Lantern. With Ryan Reynolds. And Mark Strong. And Blake Lively. Yeah. That was one of the most surprising things I remember about that movie. How little chemistry real-life couple <laughs> Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively had on screen. That's the classic thing, though. That's true. That's what they say. So that's what's next on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.